0: So we're getting ready for our beginning the good journey. And many of you have already picked up a book, uh, The Good and Beautiful God. We still have those available in the back of the sanctuary and over in the Palm Center. We also have copies of the journal, the free journal, $15 book, free journal. Uh, And you can get those also in the back of the sanctuary or in the Palm Center. And you can also sign up still not too late for you to sign up for a small group and that is you know really the 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 crowning jewel of this whole experience because we get then to take the journey together with other people and we get to have conversation and wonder about how it is that our journey is affecting us and how it's affecting others and how it affects us all together so we encourage you really to fill out uh, one of those sheets in the back of the uh, sanctuary. They're available for you to this, after, this morning after the service uh, to sign up for a small group. And lots of different days and times available for you to do so. Um, I look forward to every Tuesday night because every Tuesday night is my little men's small group that's been meeting over the course of the past year. And we... Uh, take time to reflect upon uh, God's word. We take time to reflect upon our lives and how it is that we can apply the teachings of Jesus to our own lives. We pray for each other. And that's really one of the highlights of my of my week. And I really encourage that for you as well, uh, that you take that time and invest in other people's lives as they would invest in yours. So sign up in the back of the sanctuary and uh, those small groups begin next week. And as I said, there are many times for you uh, to, um, to be a part of all that. So we hope that you'll take advantage of that opportunity. So continuing. In the good journey we uh, find ourselves in another section of Colossians we've been looking at uh, the three sections of Colossians as a means by which to understand how we begin this journey what to pack what not to pack and today we are in verse 12 of chapter 3 of Colossians 12 through 17 here the Word of God as God's chosen ones holy and beloved clothe yourselves with compassion kindness And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body, and be thankful Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then these words from... The Gospel of Matthew, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, verses that we know as the Beatitudes. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O oh Lord, that you will allow these words to come, to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Have you ever been in the presence of one so clothed? Have you ever been in the presence of one so clothed? We were nearing the end of our pilgrimage. Three dozen or so of us Church of the Palms folks have been on pilgrimage to the Holy Land and we had been up and down over and around miles of Israel and the West Bank in search of the places where over the centuries the story of the Bible had unfolded. It was the last day and we were tired, at least I was tired, the tour guide and I agreed that we would complete our journey with a stop at the little village of Emmaus. Emmaus, you may remember, was the village where two of Jesus' disciples were traveling on the day of Jesus' resurrection, and it was on the road to Emmaus that the risen Christ appeared to them and was made known to them later when he shared with them a meal. Now, archaeologists have been stumped in their search for the ancient ruins of Emmaus, so there actually are two or three sites outside of Jerusalem that claim to be the original site of the town. It was to one of these that we were traveling that day, Abu Ghosh, where there resides a Benedictine community within the compound of the Church of the Resurrection. Now, since there was no real historical veracity to the place, I wasn't expecting much from our visit, but the tour guide convinced me that it was a good and beautiful place to go. Once arriving, we filed off the bus and through the walls of the compound and into, at least for me, an oasis. Beautiful gardens, ancient chapels, and above all, the greeting of a Benedictine brother, Olivier. And from the moment I glanced his gentle smile and heard his first gracious words, I felt like I was in a holy presence. His speech, his manner, his welcome, his grace, reflected, at least for me, the light of Jesus. I felt drawn to him. I felt caught in the gravitational pull of his soul. Underneath his cassock was something inside, a well-being that emanated the grace and peace of Christ. He was genuinely pleased to welcome us to his little community of brothers. I felt as if he was clothed with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness, and love. Many times over the last several years, I have thought of this dear brother, Brother Olivier, and wondered. Would it taken place within him to so exemplify what the apostle described as the kingdom's clothing? How is it that he came to pick out such a wardrobe? Have you ever been in the presence of one so clothed? Media outlets from around the country reported this week that Ruby Bridges turned 65 this week. Now that may not be a name that many of you recall. Her story took place back in 1960 when a federal judge ordered that the white schools of New Orleans were to admit children of color. Though it was six years since the US Supreme Court had ordered the integration of public schools, this was still somewhat of a radical order in the segregated South. On November 14th, four young, elementary-age African-American children walked to their new school for the first time. Three of them to one school, one to another school. The sidewalks leading up to both schools were lined with angry, racist parents and their kids screaming every vile and abusive word they knew. The school buildings themselves were empty, boycotted entirely by the white students and their families one of these new students the one who was attending her new school all alone was a six-year-old girl named ruby bridges and every day ruby like the others escorted by federal marshals would be subjected to this gauntlet of hate one day as she approached the school door in the midst of the jeering mob ruby paused and appeared to be talking with these angry people when she got into the school building her teacher asked what she was doing, talking with these angry people. What was she saying to them?" And Ruby replied, nothing. Well, Ruby, it it, it looked like you were talking to them. Oh, I wasn't talking to them, she said. I was praying. What were you praying, Ruby? The teacher asked. Oh, she said, I was praying for them. What goes on inside a little six-year-old girl to cause her to pray for the very people who wished her removed from their sight? What gets packed inside a soul of one who meets the fear and hate of the world with prayers of well-being? Clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and meekness and patience and forgiveness and love. Have you ever been in the presence of one so clothed? So on this good journey, we've been talking about what we should take with us as we journey into the heart of God. And last week we focused on what not to take, that according to the apostle, we are to be rid of anger and wrath and malice and slander and abusive language, et cetera, et cetera, that the the good journey means digging into our baggage and removing all that unhealthy stuff, all the old wounds, the old resentments, the old grudges, the old attitudes, and and that's easier said than done. It, It takes work to get rid of the old junk, maybe a little counseling, a little spiritual discipline, a little introspection, reflection on what unhealthy stuff you've been carrying around, but it's an important step because we have to make room for the clothes that God would want us to wear for the journey. Clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and meekness and patience and forgive each other and above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. That's quite a wardrobe that the Apostle commands us to take, some pretty spiffy outfits. A fashion, it seems, that emanates from the inside underneath our cassocks. Stuff to pack deep within, characteristics that take a lifetime to form. I suppose that's what the journey is for, learning what to wear and learning how to wear it. And maybe that's the best place to start, acknowledging that this idea of clothing ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness, love, why it's just easier said than done that we have work to do for characteristics such as these to naturally flow from the well within because it's tempting to look at a list like this and say to, that those are all the nice things to have if you can get around to it, to be, to be nice and kind and patient and loving and meek when it works for us. Nice accessories for the outfit. But the apostle suggests that what Christ would wish for us is that they become the outfit itself the very core of our soul, that the outfit we might wear in church is the outfit we would wear in school and work and play, that there would be this wholeness about us, that our Sunday best is also our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday best, that the guy who shows up at the board table is the same guy who shows up at the Lord's table, that the man who shows up at the office or the school locker is the woman who, sh- is the woman who shows up at the office or the school locker is the woman who. Sh- Shows up in the Bible study and the prayer meeting. Easier, right? Said than done. Because we have this inclination as human beings to allow our emotions to dress us. If I'm angry, I'll be angry. If I'm jealous, I'll be jealous. If I'm vengeful, I'll be vengeful. If I'm resentful, I'll be resentful. If I'm not forgiving, then I won't be forgiving. Well, we let our emotions dress us. We let our ambitions dress us. We let our wounds dress us. Instead of the lifelong practice of dressing up in a new wardrobe. You remember Max Bierbaum's little tale called The Happy Hypocrite, the story of the scoundrel who fell hopelessly in love with the fair maiden, but because of his poor reputation, he knew that she would have nothing to do with him, so he went out and he made for himself a mask, the mask of a fine gentleman of the highest character, the mask of a saint, and sure enough, the young maiden fell in love with him, fell in love with the mask, but, but now it meant that he had to keep living up to the mask, to, to live like a gentleman, dare even a saint. Until came the fateful day when someone suspected the mask and they reached and pulled it off, only to find that now, years later, there was the face of a saint. He had become what he was wearing. Sometimes we have to act our way into a different way of being. C.S. Lewis often spoke of the suffering he endured as a child under the cruel hand of a tyrannical and maniacal schoolmaster who had inflicted both physical and psychic wounds upon the young boy's body and mind. So in his 30s, when Lewis began his own good journey with Christ after his conversion as a young adult, he knew that forgiveness was one of the articles he had to put on. And that meant forgiving the monster of his childhood who had long since died. And for 30 years he sought the help of God to give him the grace deep enough that what might flow out of him was forgiveness for even the bitterest of his enemies. And not until the year of his death did it finally come, the grace to truly forgive. It takes a lifetime to pack the right suitcase. And so it makes sense why Jesus was always talking about prayer. You ought always to pray, Jesus said, because you and I are always in the process of deciding what we're going to wear. Prayer is this means by which we get fashion. Prayer reminds us what we have to put on. Robert Coles, the Harvard psychiatrist who spent the first year of Ruby Bridges schooling, counseling her, asked her what had possessed her to pray for these people who were screaming epithets and threatening her with harm. She said that that's what she she did with her mommy every night. She prayed with her mommy every night for the people that that seemed like they needed to be prayed for. And she said that on Sunday morning the preacher prayed for them too. She kept trying on the dress until it fit. So it makes sense when Richard Foster says that to pray is to change. To pray is to put the clay of our lives into the hands of God that we might be formed and fashioned into the likeness of Christ. To pray is to hourly and daily seek a fashion consult. To pray is to hear Jesus say over and over again, blessed are the meek, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. To pray is to keep putting on the mask until we become the person that Jesus has always wanted us to be, to pray is to be engaged with, in the words of Thomas a. Kempis, to be engaged with the familiar friendship with Jesus. Simone Veil, the young French agnostic activist of the last century, experienced a deep and unexpected encounter with Christ in the cathedral of St. Francis that led her to fall to her knees and pray for the very first time. And from there, her life became... A life of prayer and a life of fashioning into the service and mission of Jesus, a surrendering to the life of the poor and the oppressed. She said that prayer was to turn one's attention to the good. And we are desperate to pray, she said, because none of us on our own has the capacity to be kind. One of my dearest and most respected friends in ministry tells of the early years of being a pastor and a husband and a father, and how he had managed over his young young life to not pay attention to the growing rage inside his soul. He had anger issues, and his anger issues turned into bouts of rage against the ones he loved the most. And he felt like a hypocrite and a phony and he could see he was on his way to losing everything. And then he began to see that the ones he loved most were now starting even to cower in his presence. And he knew that it was time for some new clothes. And so began his life of therapy and deep prayer and confession and yearning for the molding of the master's hands. And little by little, the wounds of childhood began to heal, and the rage subsided, and the new clothes of kindness began to shape his spirit. And every day, it's back on his knees to pray. So we begin this journey. And along the way, we decide what we're going to take and what we're not going to take, what to pack and what not to pack what to wear and what not to wear and left to our own devices the outfits just won't cut it the colors will always clash and Sunday will not look like Monday and Monday will not look like Tuesday we need help a fashion consult every day a fashion consult every day to be clothed again with the garments of grace. Have you ever been in the presence of one so clothed? Jesus said, you ought always to pray for who's to say that we could not be such a person?